0: اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم I'm going to الصراط المستقيم، صراط الذين am عليهم، غير pray عليهم you.
1: After reciting the Tashahud, Taawwuz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V Ayyadahu Allah Ta'ala bin aziz stated that the series of narrating the accounts of the lives of the Badri companions i.e. those companions who took part in the battle of Badr will continue today. However, before I do so, I would like to say to the Ansarullah on the occasion of the Ijtama, i.e. annual gathering that when those companions among whom were the Ansar as well as Muhajir, accepted Islam, they included pious transformations within them and they set wondrous examples of sacrifice, righteousness, sincerity and loyalty. Most of you who are present here right now and have reached the age of Ansarullah are both Ansar as well as Muhajir. Therefore you should undertake a constant self-analysis as to what extent you are following and acting upon those examples that were established before you. And after these brief words, I will now begin with the actual subject matter. The first account that will be given is of Hazrat Noman bin Amr. Hazrat Noman's name is recorded as Noeman as well as Noman. Hazrat Noman's father's name was Amr bin Rifa and his mother's name was Fatima bin Amr. And among the children of Hazrat Noeman, we find the following names Muhammad, Amir, Sabra, Lubaba, Gabsha, Maryam, Umm Habib. Ahmadullah and Hakima. According to Ibn Ishaq, Hazrat Noyman participated in the second bath at Aqaba, along with 70 Ansar. Also, Hazrat Noyman participated in all the battles alongside the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, including the battles of Badr, Uhud and Khandaq. According to a narration, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, "That do not say anything about Noaiman except something good, for he loves Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam." Hazrat Nouman passed away in 60 Hijri during the rule of Hazrat Amir Muawiyah. Then, Hazrat Umm Salma narrates that Hazrat Abu Bakr went to Busra a year before the demise of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Busra is a historical and famous city of Syria and once during a trade journey to Syria, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him along with his uncle stayed in this city. Similarly, when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him took the trade goods of Hazrat Khadija to Syria, he also stayed at this place and Maesra, the servant of Hazrat Khadija عنها, also accompanied the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, during that journey. In any case, Hazrat Umm Salman narrates that when Hazrat Abu Bakr, taala anhu undertook a trade journey to that place before the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he was also accompanied by Nu'eman and Suwabed bin Harmullah. And both of these companions participated in the Battle of Badr and during this journey with Hazrat Abu Bakr رضي Taala Anhu, عنه was entrusted with the provisions. And it was in a light-hearted moment during that journey that Hazrat Noaiman's companions sold him off to some people. And although I have already narrated this incident while giving the account of the life of Hazrat Suhayb, however I will briefly narrate it again. Subat, who was the companion of Noyman during this journey, had a humorous nature and we find in fact in narrations that both Hazrat Noyman as well as Hazrat Suwabat had a very frank and informal relationship and they would often have a light-hearted exchange with one another. And so during the journey, Hazrat Suwabat asked Noyman to give him some food. However, Hazrat Noyman replied that as long as Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu does not return, as he had gone somewhere, He will not give him any food. Upon this, Suhebat replied that if you do not give me anything to eat, then I will say something which will cause you to become angry. The narrator of this tradition states that in the meantime they passed by a tribe and upon this Swebat asked them if they would purchase a slave from him. Either this particular incident took place a few days later or perhaps occurred at the time as they were walking along on their journey but in any case, it was soon after their initial conversation. Hazar Swerbath asked the tribe if they would purchase a slave from him and the people of the tribe replied that they will do so. Upon this Swerbath told them that he talks a lot and he will continuously repeat that he is a free man. Therefore when he says this to you and asks you to release him, do not do so lest you ruin my slave. Upon this the people of the tribe replied that they will not do so and that they wished to purchase him from him. Hence, they bought him in exchange of ten camels. Following this, these people came to Noeman and wrapped the cloth of a turban or perhaps a rope around his neck in order to take him away as a slave. Noeman said to them that Suebet was in fact joking with them and continued to protest that he was a free man, not a slave. However, the people of the tribe replied that Suwabad had already informed them about him. In any case, they forcefully took him with them. When Hazrat Abu Bakr arrived and people informed him about this incident, he went after the people of this tribe and returned their camels and brought Nurman back. The narrator of this tradition then further states, and when these individuals returned to the holy prophet, peace be upon him, and they informed him about this entire incident. The holy prophet, peace be upon him, and his companions greatly enjoyed listening to this, and they continued to enjoy this light-hearted moment among them for almost a year. However, in certain other books, this particular incident is described with the difference that in fact it was Hazard Noayman who was the one who sold Hazrat Suhaibad and it was not the other way round. But in any case, this particular narration is found in reference to both of these companions. In relation to Hazard Noeman, it is stated that he also had a very light-hearted nature and that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would greatly enjoy listening to him. Rabia bin Usman narrates that once a Bedouin came to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and having entered the mosque he sat his camel in the courtyard. Upon this some of the companions said to Hazrat no that if he slaughtered this camel they would eat its meat as they really desired to have some meat. They also said that since this was the camel of the Bedouin and he would subsequently complain to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him but once the complaint would be made to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him he will compensate for it. The narrator of this particular tradition then further states that having been persuaded by them, Hazrat no Iman slaughtered the camel. And when the Bedouin came outside and saw his camel in this state, he raised a hue and cry, saying that, O Muhammad wasallam, my camel has been slaughtered. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him came outside and inquired as to who did this. The people replied that it was Noeman. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, went to look for him. Thus, having committed this act, Noeman had left the place and was hiding somewhere. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, went to look for him, and found him hiding at Hazza Zubab bint Zubair bin Abdul Mutlib's house. A person at the place of where he was hiding indicated towards his direction with his finger and loudly proclaimed that, O Prophet of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I cannot see him anywhere. In any case, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him took him out from there, and then inquired why he did this. Upon this, Noiman replied that, O Prophet of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the people who told you that I slaughtered it, in fact they were the ones who encouraged me and told me to do so. And they also said that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would compensate for it and pay for it later. Having heard this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, touched Noiman's face with his hand, and then began to smile. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then paid the Bedouin the value of the camel. In his book, Kitab al-Fuqaha wal-Mazahib, Zubair bin Bukar relates an incident regarding Hazrat Numan. He writes that whenever a travelling salesman or merchant would enter Medina, Hazrat Numan would always purchase something from them and present the items to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, as a gift from himself. Since the owners were familiar with him or had an acquaintance with him, therefore he would tell them where he lived and they would retrieve the cost later. And so when the owner would come to Hazrat Numan to retrieve the cost Hazrat Numan would bring him to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and would request the Holy Prophet peace be upon him to pay for the item he gave him Hazrat Numan would tell the Holy Prophet peace be upon him that he should pay for the item that he had purchased and brought for him The Holy Prophet peace be upon him would reply that did you not gift this to me? To which Hazrat Numan would reply that O Messenger of Allah sallallahu By God, I did not have anything to pay for them at the time, but it was my desire for you to eat of it if it was something edible, and that you keep it if it was something to keep. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would smile and would instruct for the merchant to be paid for his item. Thus, this is an example of the gatherings which were filled with such extraordinary love, affection and light-heartedness, and it was not the case that they were always strictly formal and without any light-hearted moments. The next companion that I shall mention is Hazrat Khubab bin Isaf Hazrat ta'ala anhu belonged to the Banu Jushim branch of the Khazraj tribe of the Ansar and according to another narration his name was Habib bin Yusaf and his father's name was Isaf but according to another narration it is recorded as Yusaf. Likewise his grandfather's name is recorded as Itaba but also as Inaba. Hazrat Khubaib's mother's name was Salama bint Mas'ud and among his children was Abu Qasir whose name was Abdullah and was born to Jamila bint Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul. His second son was Abdul Rahman who was born to Umm Walad. He had a daughter named Unesa who was born to Zainab bint Khaz. After the demise of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu, Hazrat Khubayb anhu married Khubayba bin Kharija, who was the widow of Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu. Even though Hazrat Khubayb radiyallahu taala anhu had not yet accepted Islam at the time of the migration, however, he had the honour of hosting and accommodating the Muhajirin in Medina as the migration took place. And so, despite the fact that he was not a Muslim, He acted with great hospitality towards the Muhajireen. Hazrat Talha bin Abdullah and Hazrat Suhaib bin Sinan stayed at his house, but according to another narration, Hazrat Talha stayed at the house of Hazrat Asad bin Zurara. Likewise, according to a narration, when Hazrat Abu Bakr migrated to Medina, he stayed at the house of Hazrat Khubayb in Sunnah, which is in Qubar. Sunnah is the name of a high area of the village in the outskirts of Medina where the Bani Haris branch of the Khazraj tribe lived. However, according to a different narration, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu stayed at the house of Hazrat Kharja bin Zaid. Hazrat Khubayb ta'ala anhu took part in all the battles alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him including the Battles of Badr, Uhud and Khandaq. According to one narration, Khubaib was living in Medina but despite that he had not accepted Islam until the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, set off for the Battle of Badr and he joined the Holy Prophet peace be upon him along the way and it was then that he accepted Islam. The incident of Hazrat ta'ala Anhu's acceptance of Islam is mentioned in Sahih Muslim and has been narrated by Hazrat Aisha ta'ala anha, the noble wife of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Hazrat Aisha ta'ala anha relates that when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him departed for the Battle of Badr and reached Harratul Ghabara, which is situated about three miles from Medina. A person who was famous for his courage and bravery met with him. The companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, were very pleased to see him. And upon meeting the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he stated, that I have come to accompany you and to partake of the spoils of war. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, that do you believe in Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa He responded that no. I do not believe in Allah and his messenger. In other words, he was not a Muslim. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that you can then turn away as I do not seek help from the mushrik, I in idolater. Hazrat Aisha ta'ala anha then further relates that this man went his way and when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, reached Shajara which is a place situated near dhul hulayfa which is six to seven miles from Medina the same individual approached the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and said exactly what he said before. Again, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave the same response as before, telling him to leave as he was in no need of the support of a mushrik. The man left once again and then met the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, again at a place called Baydah near Dhul Huleifa, which is about six to seven miles away from Medina and is close to Shajra. The two places, i.e. Bedar and dhul Hulaifa, were not far from one another. And in this instance again, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, again said to him, as he did the first time, that he will not take help of a mushrik, i. e. an idolater. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said, Do you believe in Allah and his messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? The man replied that yes I do. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said, and now you may accompany me. It has been mentioned in the commentary of this narration that the man mentioned to have accepted Islam in this particular narration was Hazrat Khubab. Whilst explaining Hazrat Khubab bin Usaf's acceptance of Islam and participation in the Battle of Badr, Alama Nuruddin Halabi states in his book Seerat al Halabiyya. That there was a strong and courageous person in Medina by the name of Khubaid bin Yusuf Khubaid bin Yusuf was the other name of Hazrat Khubaid bin Usaf as is mentioned in the books of Sirat. In any case, this man belonged to the Khazraj tribe and had not accepted Islam until the Battle of Badr. In any case, he too departed with the Khazraj tribe in the hope of partaking of the spoils of war in case that the Muslims won the battle. The Muslims were very pleased to see him go forth with them but the Holy Prophet peace be upon him told him that only those can accompany them to battle who adhere to their faith. And in another narration it is mentioned that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him told him to go back as they did not require any help from the mushrik i.e. idolater. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him told Habib or Khubab to turn back on two occasions but the third time the holy prophet peace be upon him asked, "Do you believe in Allah and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam?" To which he replied in the affirmative, and thus he accepted Islam and fought courageously in the battle. In Musnad Ahmad bin Hanbal The account of how Hazrat Khubayb accepted Islam is mentioned as follows. He states, One of my tribesmen and I visited the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, when he was preparing to depart for the battle, but at that time we had not accepted Islam. We submitted to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saying that we feel ashamed that our people would go for war when we do not participate with them. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, but have you both accepted Islam? We reply that we had not. To which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, "We do not wish to seek help of an idolater against another idolater." Since the battle the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was preparing for was against idolaters, therefore the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that how could he accept help of an idolater? Hazrat Khubayb taala anhu says that we decided to accept Islam and joined the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in the battle. He states that during the battle I killed one of our adversaries, but before that he managed to inflict injury upon me. Later on when I married the daughter of the person I had killed, she would often say that you will never be able to forget the person who gave you those scars. And I would reply by saying that she would also not forget the person who hastened your father into the hellfire. During the Battle of Badr, Hazrat Khubayr bin Asaf killed Umayyah bin Khalf, who was one of the leaders of the Quraysh of Mecca. And this account of the marriage that took place between Hazrat Khubayr and the daughter of the person who was killed has been mentioned briefly in Musnad Ahmed bin Hanbal. But the person who was killed was not mentioned by name. But Alama Nuruddin Halabi has mentioned this account in detail in his book Siratul Halabiya which is as follows. Abdul Rahman bin Of narrated that in the plains of Badr I met Umayyah bin Khalf who was a friend of mine during the Jahiliyyah period i.e. the era before the advent of Islam. Umayyah's son Ali was standing beside his father holding his hand. Ali was among those Muslims who had accepted Islam before the Holy Prophet peace be upon him migrated to Medina. However his relatives pressurized him to leave Islam and succeeded. Thus he accepted Islam initially but later renounced his faith and died in a state of disbelief. And it is regarding such people that Allah the Almighty has revealed the following verse, <laughs> Verily, those whom the angels caused to die while they were wronging their own souls, they the angel will say to them "But what were you after? They will reply, we were treated as weak in the land. Nonetheless, he further stated that among those people were Harsa bin Rabia, Abu Qais bin Faqih, Abu Qais bin Walid, As bin Unabih and Ali bin Umayyah. Alama Nuruddin Halabi writes that in the book sirit the it is written that these people accepted Islam when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him was still in Mecca. When the Holy Prophet peace be upon him migrated to Medina, the relatives of the aforementioned held them back in Mecca and pressurised them. And as a result of this they succumbed to their pressurisation and abandoned Islam. In other words they left the Pale of Islam. They then came with their tribe to the Battle of Badr and were all killed during this battle. From this narration, it seems that these people had not renounced their faith before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, migration. Whereas from the earlier narration, it seems as if these people had left Islam before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, migrated from Makkah. But in any case. Hazrat Abdurrahman Rahman ta'ala anhu narrates an incident regarding the battle in which he states that I was holding many chain armors, and when Umayyah saw me, he addressed me using my name in the Jahiliya period of Abd amr However, I did not respond to him because when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him had given me the name Abdul Rahman, he asked me whether I would like to give up the name of my forefathers to which I replied in the affirmative Umayya said that he did not recognize the name Rahman, therefore when Umayya later called me by my actual name, i.e. Abdul Rahman, I responded to him. It seems that when Umayya had called out for the first time, Abdul Rahman knew he was being addressed, yet he refused to acknowledge him because he was being called out by saying, O servant of an idol. But at the same time, it is also quite possible that Abdul Rahman did not even comprehend that he was being addressed as has Abdurrahman bin Of abandoned the name a long time before this incident. And so when Umayyah called out using his actual name i.e. Abdurrahman that's when he realized that he was being addressed and thus responded to him. It was then that Umayyah said to Abdurrahman that if I have any rights over you, then I am better than the chain armor you hold in your hands. He gave reference to their old friendship, and thought that his life may be spared owing to it, for they had already been defeated. He then said to Abdurrahman that he had rights over him, and that since he was better than the chain armor, he should arrange for his safety. Hazrat Abdurrahman then stated that very well, and put the chain armors on the floor, and held Umayyah and his son Ali by the hand. Umayyah then said that I have never seen such a day as this one, i.e. the day of Badr. He then asked that who was it among you that had an ostrich feather on the armor of his chest? Hazrat Abdul Rahman replied that it was Hamza bin Abdul Mutlib. Umayyah then said that he was the one responsible for all that took place. It was because of him that they were in such a state. In any case, this was his own opinion and according to another narration, Umayyah's son had said the aforementioned statement. In any case, Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin O further states that after that I was walking with both of them and held them by hand when Hazrat Bilal saw Umayyah with me and shouted out that the chief of the disbelievers Umayyah is here and only one of us will survive. In Makkah, Umayyah persecuted Hazrat Bilal severely in an attempt to try and turn him away from Islam. Hazrat Abdurrahman states When I heard this, I said to Hazrat Bilal that why do you say this regarding my prisoners? However, Hazrat Bilal ta'ala anhu kept on repeating the aforementioned and I replied in the same way. Hazrat Bilal ta'ala anhu would repeat, only one of us can survive and I would repeat my reply. Hazrat Bilal then said at the top of his voice that, O helpers of God, the chief of the disbelievers Umayyah bin Khalf is here. He cried at the top of his voice, O helpers of God, the chief of the disbelievers Umayyah bin Khalf is here and know this that only one of us can live and he kept on repeating this statement. Hazrat Abdurrahman states, And upon hearing this, the Insar ran towards us and surrounded us. Hazrat Bilal then attacked Umayyah's son and dropped him to the ground. Witnessing this, Umayyah shrieked in such a horrific manner that I have never heard a scream like it before. The Insar then attacked them with their swords and killed them. In Sahih Bukhari, the killing of Umayyah bin Khalf is recorded in the following manner. Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf radiallahu ta'ala anhu wrote a letter to Umayyah bin Khal stating that he should look after his wealth and wife and children who were in Mecca which at the time was Darul Harb. Similarly, I would protect his wealth in Medina for him. When I wrote down my name as Abdul Rahman, Umayyah replied that I do not know any Abdul Rahman. Therefore write down the name you used previously in the Jahiliyyah period. Upon this, I wrote down my name as Abd Amr. And during the battle of Badr, whilst the enemy was sleeping, I climbed a hill with the intention of securing that passage, i.e. in the case the opposing army attacked from there. Hazrat Bilal رضي الله تعالى عنه happened to see Umayyah nearby. And Hazrat Bilal رضي الله تعالى عنه then went to a gathering of the Ansar and said that Umayyah bin Khalf is nearby, if he escapes then it will be difficult for me. Hazrat Bilal ta'ala, followed us with a group of the Ansar and it seemed as though by this time Hazard Abdurrahman bin Auf and Umayyah had spoken and come to an agreement. Nonetheless, Hazrat Abdurrahman bin Auf states that I said that I will take them, i.e. Umayyah and his son, as prisoners. Hence I captured both of them. And prior to facing this group of Muslims, I left Umayyah's son behind where we were so that they could contend with him and whilst they would be engaged in battle with him, we would be able to escape. Subsequently, the group killed Umayya's son and they did not allow my plan to save Umayya succeed and chased after us. He further states that since Umayya was of heavy build, it was difficult to travel far and as a result they caught up with us. I told Umayyah to sit down and he complied. I laid over him in order to shield him. However, they stabbed their swords underneath me and killed him. He states that one of them even injured my foot with his sword in the process. The narrator, Ibrahim, states that Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf would show us the scar on the back of his foot that he received during the incident. As for who killed Umayyah and his son, according to famous narrations it is stated that a person from the tribe of Banu Mazan killed him, whereas Ibn Hisham states that Umayyah was killed by Hazrat Maz bin Afra, Kharja bin Zaid and Khubab bin Nisaf i.e. the companion who is currently being mentioned i.e. Hazrat Khubab bin Asaf. It is also recorded that Hazrat Bilal Allah-dhul-anh, killed him, but in reality the companions all took part in his killing. Anomayy's son Ali was attacked and brought to the ground by Hazrat Bilal radiyallahu <laughs> taala anhu. Subsequently, Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir killed him. There are certain details of incidents which are not directly related to the companion being mentioned, but I will relate them so that we can learn what took place in that period of history. Khubab bin Abdul Rahman relates that his grandfather Hazrat Khubab taala anhu sustained an injury during the Battle of Badr, and broke one of his ribs. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, placed his blessed sliver on the injured area, and placed the bone in its proper place. As a result of which, Hazrat Khubab was able to walk again. And according to another narration, Hazrat Khubab taala anhu relates that I sustained a very severe injury to my shoulder which penetrated into my stomach region. Consequently, my arm began to dangle. He says that I presented myself before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, placed his blessed sliver on that particular area and reattached the shoulder in its place, and the wound also healed. In regards to his demise, there is a narration which states that Hazrat Khubayb passed away during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar whereas according to another narration Hazrat Khubayb passed away during the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman However, in any case, may God Almighty elevate the station of the companions. I shall now mention some details regarding three individuals who have passed away and will also lead their funeral prayer. The first is respected Rashida Begum Saiba, wife of respected Muhammad Sarwar Sahib of Rabwa. She passed away on 24th August at the age of 74. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun Surely to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. Her forefathers migrated to Pakistan from Char Kashmir and her father respected Dean Muhammad Sahib worked in the railway department. The deceased was only 5 years of age when her father passed away and their mother brought the children up all alone with great effort and bearing much hardship. Ahmadiyyad entered the family of the deceased through their grandfather, respected Fateh Muhammad Sahib, who travelled to Qadian and had the good fortune to perform the bad through a companion of the promised Messiah, Hazrat Qazi Muhammad Akbar Sahib. Upon witnessing the solar and the lunar eclipse in 1894, Qazi Sahib informed his family members and the locals of his area that the sign signified the advent of the Imam Mahdi. A.s. The deceased family had close ties and relations with Qazi Sahib and thus the message of Ahmadiyyat also reached them and subsequently they did the Bed. Muhammad Zakariya Sahib, who is currently serving as a missionary in Liberia, is one of her sons, and he states that my mother offered her chandas, i.e. monetary sacrifices, with great regularity. She would always be concerned and would often ask whether the chanda had been paid. She would also take great care and show a lot of concern in the upbringing of her children. She would not permit the children to leave the house unnecessarily, so that they do not grow with the habit of wandering aimlessly in the streets. Or fall into immoral habits he further writes that during our childhood when our father would wake us brothers up to offer our Fajr prayer in congregation at the mosque our mother would play a very important role in getting all the children up and until we did not leave for the mosque she would continue to remain anxious she had a very loving and loyal bond with the institution of Khilafat She would listen to the sermons very attentively and would note down various points which she would then discuss with her children. Her elder daughter writes that right up until her final days she paid great attention towards her prayers and prior to her demise she offered a very lengthy prayer and did not let anyone even realize that she was not well however immediately after she completed her prayers she felt unwell and was taken to the hospital where she suffered a heart attack and they were unable to revive her and she passed away and by the grace of allah the almighty she was a Musia and paid one-eighth of her wealth towards Vasiyat. The deceased's five sons have the opportunity to serve their faith as life devotees i.e. Waqfizindis. Two of the sons, Muhammad Mohsin tabassum Sahib and Muhammad Mu'min Sahib are currently serving in Rabwa under the waqf scheme. And two sons, Dawd Zafar Sahib and Zakaria Sahib are currently serving as missionaries and the other son, Asif Sahib is Vakfino and is currently serving in the computer section in the Khilafat library. As I mentioned that Muhammad Zakariya Sahib is currently serving as a missionary in Liberia and he could not go back for his mother's funeral and he demonstrated an excellent example of patience and continued to fulfil his duties away from his homeland and he did not express at all that he was not able to go back or that he couldn't fulfill his duties. May God Almighty grant all her children patience and steadfastness, particularly her son who is in Liberia serving as a missionary and who could not meet his mother at the time of her demise. May God Almighty enable her children to continue her good deeds and elevate the station of their mother. The second funeral is of respected Muhammad Shamshir Khan Sahib who was the president of Nandi Jamaat in Fiji. He passed away on 5th September. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. He was born in 1952 and in 1962 along with his father he did the bath and joined the Ahmadiyya Jamaat from the Lahori Jamaat. He was initially a member of the Lahori Jamaat who have many members in Fiji. However in 1962 he came under the Baith of khilafat e the, the deceased was among the pioneering members of the Jamaat in Fiji and by the grace of Allah the Almighty he had the opportunity to extensively render his services to the Jamaat. He played a very important role in establishing mosques in Maro, Suva, Nandi and Latoka. And from 2010 he had the opportunity to serve as the President of the Nadi Jamaat until his demise. And for a long time he also served as the National Ishad Secretary. And even in worldly terms he was held in high esteem by the grace of Allah the Almighty. However, he always gave precedence to his Jamaat work. And aside from serving as President and National Ishad Secretary, he was also a manager of a Muslim primary school in Ratoka. The deceased was extremely sincere and devoted to the institution of Khilafat and displayed utmost obedience. He leaves behind his wife Razia Khan Sahiba and a daughter Nadia Nafisa Sahiba. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy and enable his progeny to continue his good deeds. The third funeral is of respected Fatima Muhammad Mustafa sahib who was originally from Kurdistan and was currently living in Norway although she passed away on 13 June however her details were sent late therefore the funeral prayer in absentia is being offered now she passed away at the age of 88 inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return she had the opportunity to do the bath in 2014 and leaves behind three daughters and five sons, out of whom only her daughter Far Muhammad Said Saiba is Ahmadi and is currently living in Norway. Her daughter says that I came to Norway in 1999 where I had to endure very difficult circumstances, therefore my mother shifted to Norway from Kurdistan in order to help me. Although my mother was unable to read or write, However, she had committed many verses of the Holy Qur'an and sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to memory. She had such passion to read and write that despite being over the age of 40, she spent great effort in order to learn how to read and write. Her most important objective in life was to offer her prayers on time. and She would also keep a lot of fasts and would often say that she was fasting for the sake of those who were unable to fast. She further states that my mother had such passion to help and serve others that in Iraq sometimes she would travel for 50 miles accompanying women who needed to get treatment from hospital and she would also financially support them as well. Her daughter further states that upon her demise I received numerous letters from people of all different backgrounds particularly many Pakistani Ahmadi sisters who expressed with great emotion that they had a deep bond of love with their mother. She further states that since I was born I have been with my mother and had the opportunity to witness her excellent morals and pious character. She never harboured any ill feeling about anyone in her heart and was always willing to forgive even the greatest of wrongs. Right from our childhood she taught us to always adopt the truth even if it went against us and she would say that if our eyes or hands committed a wrong then we should at least have the courage to admit that they are guilty of committing a wrong. She would always meet everyone with a cheerful smile and she would always be occupied in seeking supplications from God Almighty. She had great love for God Almighty and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And she says that perhaps it was owing to this that she had the opportunity to do the birth of the Messiah of the age. Her daughter further writes that I came across MTA in 2007 by chance but then could not relocate the channel despite searching for it. Then one day after three years in 2010, I once again came across MTA Al-Rabiyah and called out aloud to my mother that the channel had been found. And I told my mother that I had been searching for this very channel for the last three years. I then told my mother to listen to what they had to say as they claimed that the Imam Mahdi and the promised Messiah who we are waiting for has already appeared. Our father also used to say the same. My mother started to watch MTA with me and after a few days my mother narrated the entire incident to my siblings. However, they made certain comments which caused the complexion of my mother to completely change but she did not take any notice of what they said and continued to watch MTA. When she travelled back to Kurdistan she came under the influence of my brothers and went completely against me and when she came back to me she started to stop me from watching MTA. However, when I did the bait my conditions worsened further and my mother was told that I was now a Kafir i.e. a disbeliever. Nevertheless, when my mother would return to my brothers, she would go against me and when she would come to stay with me, she would again start to watch MTA. She states that she really liked the poems written by the promised Messiah in Arabic in praise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and would often begin to cry when she would listen to them. One day she was listening to the following Arabic poem of the promised Messiah, Allahi, ya and she was also repeating the words in her breath, and I asked her that can one who has written these couplets be called a kafir, i.e. a disbeliever? Upon this she looked at me with great anger and said that which cruel person claims that he is a kafir? I told her that her children were among such people. Upon hearing this she went silent. I then said to my mother that she was famous for the strength of her belief. Thus who was she in fear of? Her children or her God? She became deeply affected by this question but did not give an answer. The same night she called me and asked me to call the headquarters of the Jamaat and inform them that she would like to do the bed. However, I told her to carefully ponder over the matter so that she would remain resolute on this decision. Therefore, she spent the entire night pondering over it or perhaps praying and the next morning she said that she had decided that she was going to do the birth. Thus, in 2016 when I went there, she also had the opportunity to meet me and she was extremely happy that she was able to meet the Khalifa of the time and would tell everyone about this. She had a bond of great loyalty with Khilafat May God Almighty grant her his forgiveness and mercy and elevate her status and may God Almighty also grant strength to her daughter's faith and her children and may he also enable her other children who are not Ahmadi to open their hearts for Ahmadiyyat and become the recipient of her prayers.
0: Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah nahaduhu, wa nastainuhu, wa nastaghfiruhu, wa na'minu bihi, wa natwakkalu alayhi, wa na'uzu billahi min shuroori anfusina, wa min sayyati amalina, من ياده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ايبا الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل the Lord, the Lord وَالْمُنكَرِ the Lord. In the name of ودوه يستجب لكم من
1: ذكر الله أكبر